This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. And yeah. Perfect. Parshas Pinchas 5783. The Pasuk or Sukim that we're talking about have to do with Parachav Vav Pasuk Gimel. It says, Bnei Yisachar Lemishpachosam. The children of Yisachar according to their families. We have Tola Mishpachas Tolai. Tola by the family of Tolai. Lefuva Mishpachas Apuni. Liyashuv Mishpachas Yashuvi. And Lashimron Mishpachas Shimroni. Those are some of the children of Yisachar. Four of them specifically, and that's that. Now Rashi tells us that Yashuv is the same person as Yov. Yov is one of the children of Yisachar, the one down in Mitzrayim. All of these families families are named after someone who went with Yaakovinu down to Mitzrayim, with the exception of Ephraim and Menashe's children who were already in Mitzrayim. So every single one of them was like that. There seems to be other exceptions, though. Ramosha Darshan says Ard, as well as Naman, who were born to Bela, the son of Binyamin, Chetzon and Chamul, the sons of Peretz, the son of Yehuda, and Hever and Malkiel, the grandfa- grandsons of Usher. All of those are also, they're mentioned. The reason why those six are included is either because they were either born before they came down to Mitzrayim, or the mother was pregnant with them on the way down to Mitzrayim. They're just not like Yocheved, who was born at the walls themselves, and therefore they're considered part of those families themselves. Anyone born after that point included themselves with other families, and they just part, put themselves with everybody else. It's clear that many of the Shvatim had more children when they came down to Mitzrayim. It's not like there were only three, four, five people who were born in every Shevet. They might have had multiple wives. There likely were many people, but they included themselves in the other families, and that makes sense by most. Now, Rash himself says, if this is an Agada, right, that the Yashuv is the same person as Yov, then we'll accept it. Okay. The Ramban adds that if it's not a Kabbalah that he had, he would push it off with both hands. Another issue with this is that they should have been counted among the 70, right? If this, all these other people were over here, all these other children of Binyamin and Yehuda, etc., right? They should have been included. There should have been 72, maybe even 86 amount of families that went down to Mitzrayim. Yochevet was counted among the 70, even though she was a woman and she was only born at the wall of Mitzrayim itself. So she technically came to Mitzrayim by, with her family. Well, these children were born afterward, but it seems very, very, very strange that would only include some and not the other, says the Ramban, and therefore, if it was up to him, he wouldn't have included any of them. But Rashi himself would say that Bella had many children and grandchildren. Ard and Naman both had huge families, and therefore, all of the other children were known as Bella's kids, since these two, Ard and Naman, seemed to have d- d- separated themselves from Bella completely. So that's that. That's what it would have been. Thus, there were three families. There was Bella's other children, Ard and Naman. Perhaps the same thing happened to Machir and Gilad, where some of the children went by his name, others went by the other name, by his son's name, and that's true. Machir was a son of Gilad. Some people went by Gilad, and some people went by Machir, and that was their family name. Look, it's not that hard to understand. There might be people with multiple family names, right? There could be a Zimmerman, and that would be that, but other people in the family might have changed their name as they went on a little bit, because Zimmerman wasn't good enough for them. That's how the, Mordecai, the Mizrahi understands Rashi. You can look over there for a little bit more on this. The Gorai seems to understand it the same way. You may notice that there are five families missing from B'nai Binyamin throughout this entire portion. We go through all the numbers over here. This is a Kiyom and part of his mother's nevuah. When he was born, she said, Ben-Oni, that he is the son of my sadness. Many of Binyamin's children, unfortunately, Fortunately, were lost in Mitzrayim themselves. Either they integrated in, in, in assimilated completely, or they died out and they were just completely gone. The rest of the Nebu was accomplished during Pelegish Begiva when they were almost completely wiped out, right, by the rest of Klau Yisrael when they did something that was terrible, right, holding out the Bnei Belial, etc., that was going on there. Now, why did Yov change his name to Yashuv? 
what happened that he was Yov back then when they came down to Mitzrayim in Yashuv now. The Balaturim says this is because they were B'nai Yeshiva. What an unbelievable line. And they learned all day long, which makes sense. He's from Yisachar, so therefore they called him Yashuv as in Yashiva, right? That's the idea behind it. In Dibra Yomim, uh, Aleph, Perik Aleph, Pasuk Zion, Rashi says the exact same thing. Now, when Rabbi Yoel calls them Bali Tshuva, actually, I don't know if it's Perik Zion, Pasuk Aleph, or Perik Aleph, Pasuk Zion. I think it's Perik Zion, Pasuk Aleph. The Rabbi Yoel calls them Bali Tshuva, and therefore the word Yashuv applies to them, because there were people that did Tshuva all day long. Similar, I guess, to this answer as well. The Chizkuni says he's called Yashuv because he took one of the two shins of his father's name. Chizkuni, this is a super interesting answer, which is why we only call Yisachar by the name Yisachar throughout the whole Torah. He really should be Yisachar, because there's two sins. But he's known as Yisachar because he took away a shin. Now, why would he do that, and what's the point of that? There was an Avodah Zara in the time of Yov itself that was also called Yov. I would assume, obviously, that the Avodah Zara was called Yov after Yov was already born. So he was upset about that. So he asked his father to please change his name, and that's what he did. The Dasakana mentions this in Beratius Menvav Yudbez, the Rokeach over here, the Taz and Divrei Dovin, the Chidon, the same in the Saber Devek, Tov, they all said the same thing as this Chizkuni, that Yov changed his name to Yashuv and took away a sin away from Yisachar and put it in his name because of this reason, because of that of Bodazar. Chamim says that's why he would take the Shin over any of his other brothers, because only he had the issue with that idol. Only he had that issue. His father gave him an extra Shin or a sin to placate him, and that's the idea behind it. Linus wonders why Yisachar had to lose a Shin in order to give a, another letter to his son Yov. He had to lose something from it? What, is there not enough letters in the Torah to give to Yov, that he has to take one away from somebody else, right? So we know that a name shows the greatness of a person, right? And especially this Midos themselves. When Yisachar chose to protect his child, he was ready to give up everything he had, even of himself, even of his name, to do so. And that's the chiv of every Jew, that every Jew should do such a thing, that I'm willing to give up something extra in order to give something to my child. I'm willing to sacrifice something, even take away a part of my soul, because the name is the soul of a person, in order to give through something there. It doesn't have to be through pure mission serious nefesh, even the idea of understanding a little bit of what you're supposed to have goes to your child, that's exactly what happened. And that's the idea that Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein says over here as well. Rav Gedalia Rabinowitz of Manchester asks, why dafka a shin and not any of the other letters? Why couldn't it be, I don't know, why not call him Yisasar instead of Yisachar, right? Why not take away the chaf and give it over? So he says, the Bezos explains that the reason why we make a shin on top of our tefillin shorosh is because Havaya, Yudke Vavke, in Atbash, is Tzadi Pei Mem Tzadi, which is a gematria of 300, which is a shin. When Yov complained that he was named after an idol, so what ended up happening is his father placated him by giving him a shin, which hints to the shame Yudke Vavke, and therefore these letters ended up being given over to him. The Dazakanim and Bracious and the Rokeach over here both say that each sin, or, yeah, by Yisusler's name, refers to a different schar that Leah felt she deserved when giving the Dudayim to Rachel Imenu. One is because Nasan Elokim Eschari, right, that a Baruch was given my schar for everything that happened. The second is because Sachor Secharticha. HaKadosh Baruch was given my schar, right, that I gave up my night of Yaakov, you know, and Sechor Secharticha, that I have, or I gave up my night, I gave up my Dudayim to Rachel. And the other one is because Sechor Secharticha, she was willing to take on Yaakov for that night. However, because the second one is not a great thing to say, that she, so to speak, hired Yaakov, you know, for the night, that's why I don't pronounce the second shin, right, and it's always silent. Because there were two schars, but the second schar was not such a good thing to say out loud. The Chassan talked about this in Parshva Yetzin, Deeper Masal Tikra Shmo, 
Now, Rugzabosim adds that it's possible that just like the Yud in Sarai's name complained that it was lost and it was never pronounced, the Shin complained that it was never pronounced as well, and therefore it was added on to Yov's name and became Yashuv for that very reason. It ended up going to him. Now, the following few paragraphs are a combination of a couple Sfarim, including the Pardes Yosef, the Otsar Plosa Torah, the Ateras Adar, the Shari Aron, and a bunch of others. The Minchas Shai and the Rambam in Hilchus Sefer Torah, there's in Perchas Halacha Yudalit, Halacha Dalit, I'm sorry, says that there are two Misoros that we have in Klal Yisrael. They are the Misora of Ben Asher, that's Rev Aron, Ben Rav Moshe. He's called Ben Asher because they could trace their family all the way back to the times of the Gaonim. He lived around the year 4600. And Ben Aftali, it's Rabbi Yaakov Ben David, who lived at the same time and lived in Bavel. Now, we paskin like Ben Asher over Ben Naftali. There's no question about that whatsoever, as if a Baskol came out and said that we go with Ben Asher. So even though there are two very different Misoras between Ben Asher and Ben Aftali, we go with Ben Asher over Ben Aftali itself. Now, one of the arguments between the two is how to pronounce the name Yisachar in the Torah. Ben Aftali said to do so with both Sinan, in other words, say Yisachar, and that's how you should pronounce it throughout the entire Torah. Ben Asher says you should only pronounce one of them, and that obviously is what we do. The Ibn Ezra in Shmos Parak Aleph Pasa Gimel, the Radak in Divra Yomim Tesvav Chav Dalid, right, Divra Yomim Aleph, the Rambam, and the Devek Tov all say that you should pronounce Yisachar with one sin, like Ben Asher and not like Ben Aftali. The Chavuz Yari Makor Chaim Kuf Mem Aleph, in Chilichas Simen Kuf Memalov, says the exact same thing. He suggests that this is because Yisachar shares his reward with Zvulin, so because he gives some of his parnas over to Zvulin, he takes one sin and he gives another sin to Zvulin, which is a super great thing to say, right? But that's the reason why we call him Yisachar itself. Now, Belzer Hasidim have the minute to pronounce only one sin. And therefore, even if there's somebody by the name of Yisachar, like Rabbi Yisachar of the Belzer Hasidim, they would sign their names as one sin, Yud, Sin, Chaf, Resh, with one sin, and pronounce it that way as well. So I don't know if this is true by everybody. I didn't find a Belzer Hasid to ask, but it seems like all Belzer Hasidim only do it with one sin. Rav Haigon, Otzer Gordon says, everyone agrees you should only pronounce one sin. <clears throat> The only argument is whether to pronounce the first one, that's Ben Asher, or the second one, Ben Aftali. But everybody agrees you do Yisachar. It's just Yisachar first sin or Yisachar second sin. Sefer Yitzir and Perak page 41, brings his opinion as well. Note Yehuda Tinyana in Evan Ezra Simon Kuv Zayin says the same, as well as a Heshiv Moshe and Maria Sadin or Chaim Nun Now, in Shalz Yitzhuva's base of Ephraim, in Chela Gimel Simon Kuv Yudbez in Evan Ezra, says there are those who have the custom pronounce Yisachar's name with both sins, up until this Parsha of Pinchas when he gives one of the sins over to Yov to call him Yashuv. Thus, he's Yisachar up until today, where Parsha's Pinchas, where he's Yisachar. Ratzir Shazidichov told us, tell me to do this as well, and the hint to this was Yisachar P. Dovre Shaker. That if somebody says the word Yisachar, now it's spelled Yud Saf Chafresh, it's a different word altogether, but Dovre Shaker, that's Dovre Shaker. Now, I did check with the Zidichov Rebbe here in Chicago. The Zidichov Rebbe does not do this. I don't know why exactly. He is four generations after Ritzir Zidichover. Might be five, but I'm pretty sure it's four generations after Ritzir Zidichover. But he said that this is something that we don't do because it's something that's not normal and people would ask the questions, so therefore we don't do it. However, it seems that they would always do it as Yisachar, even in Parshas Pinchas, and that was done by them. So 
that's uh, that's the other things as well. The Munkacha Rebbe, the Karlina Rebbe, the Kamarna Rebbe, and Hecho Abracha, they're all Makbid, apparently, and I didn't check out these places, that they say Yisachor. Unlike the Belzer Hasidim that always do Yisachor, they always do Yisachor, but the Beis Ephraim says to do up until Parshas Pinchas, and that might be what Tzvi Hershev Zidachov did as well. The Minigan Verms for Mice was to read Yisachor the first time with the extras in Yisachor, the first time he's mentioned in the Torah, and the Chassam Sofer mentions that in Torah Moshe, Parsifayet says, do other chufas as well. Pardes Yosef says he heard from someone quoting the Basi Stroll of Ger, right, of Gur, that the first time you say the name, you should say both Yisachar and Yisachar, and throughout the rest of the Torah, you just do Yisachar. So that's another two opinions. Either you do Yisachar the first time, Yisachar every other time, or Yisachar and Yisachar the first time, and Yisachar the rest of the Torah itself. Seems that throughout Klau Yisrael, we refer to the name as Yisachar. I don't know any Yisachar, except for the Bnei Yisachar, the famous Sefer, but the Din of Rebbe. But if there was a place with a minig like Ben Naftali to read it as Yisachor, perhaps a Sephardi area that don't have these halachos, especially before Parsh Pinchas, you can do so and you can follow it and there's no problem with it whatsoever. Now it's clear, everything in these psukim hint to the fact that Shevi Yisachor learned Torah all day long and that's what they became known for. The Utzer Orachai Makadosh says his own name, Yisachor, right, his own name, hints that learning Torah is the only way to get a reward and gain Olam Haba, as we say, Talmud Torah Ganegi Kulam, right, that's the idea. There's Schar for this and like nothing else, yesh schar. That's the idea behind it. That's why we're supposed to say every morning, anu amelim mekabelim schar. Heim amelim e'enu mekabelim schar. That the way to get schar is by learning Torah based on brachos chavchas and mebeis. This also hints the reward of the 310 worlds, the shy olamos that are given to city from the future. It says in the end of Mishnaik's Uksin, right, the very, very end of, of Shas, right, since Yesh is the Schar, Shai, Olamos is the Schar. In fact, each one of his children, each one of Yisachar's children represent one of these levels of Memches Kinyane Torah. I'm going to mention each one when we get to it, but there's so much over here. The Turamor says there's no hay in the beginning of Yisachar's name in the beginning of the Parsha, unlike many of the other Shvatim, where it says Hayisachar, right, Shevet Hayisachar, which had a hay in the beginning and Yud at the end, to include Hashem's name for their Shevet and their family. And the reason why is because Torah Emes Hayisabafiyu. He had the Torah in his mouth. He was learning Torah all day long. That's comprised of the Shemus of Akarish Baruch He didn't need a Yud and a Hey by their names, and that's obvious. He has many proofs to this concept that the Torah is made up of Akarish Baruch names, and he goes through all of them. The Torah more goes through every single one of them. The Rabbi Yol says there's no Lamed before Tola. Litola Mishpachas Hatolai. It doesn't say that. It says Tola Mishpachas Hatolai because they were like Tolaim. They were literally like worms, just like worms and maggots have their strength in their mouth and they eat and eat and eat. So too. Yisachar's children were strong with their mouths, learning Torah all day long and spitting out Divrei Torah. The Atar's Adar says because they learned Torah constantly, a Torah was their occupation, which made them humble in many different ways. Therefore, they considered themselves no more than worms or maggots, Tolayim. We see this concept in Navi twice by Tola ben Pua, who was from Shevi Yisachar, he was the Shofet, and Adino HaEtzni, who may have been Davin HaMelech, right, when he went to war and fought, that they both acted like worms and lowered themselves in their humility to show HaKadosh Baruch what they wanted to do. And that's where Tola comes from, and that's the reason why we don't say lit Tola, we just say Tola. He is someone who lowered himself. Now, Ruzo Boson points out that he, although his name shows humility, that he felt like a worm, there is a form of anivus that is puzzle and does not work with one's avodah Hashem. It causes, instead, it causes someone to think that they're nothing, they cannot do anything. So what is this avodah worth anyway? Why should I even bother? That's what this puzzle is trying to say. Yes, you have to know that you're a Tola, but you also have to remember that you're mishpachas Tola-i, with the shame Hashem added to it, that's that. Degumach Nafraim wonders about this as well. He says, we make the bracha every morning, no sein ha-Torah. Shouldn't it be nasan ha-Torah? Because it already happened. We got the Torah, and he gave the Torah past tense. He also asked why it's spelled Tola, right? And then ha-Tola-i, 
right? Tola without a vav, and then afterward, hatola e with a vav. Now, which is questionable because in our Chomish it happens to be there's a vav in both words. But the Degel Machna says it. Why is there no vav in the first place and there is a vav in the second place? And he answers that every single day new Chidushim are being made, which renews the Torah every single day, making it Lashon Hova. And that's why we say no Torah because I'm making a brand new Torah today. I'm making a Chidush. I'm figuring something out that was not known before. Tola without the vav is the gematria of nos, nosein, nosan, nun sof nun, which is the gematria of 500. With the vav, it's the same as nosein. So without the vav, it's nosan. With the vav, it's nosein. Tola with the vav, meaning allowing the Torah to be considered as if it's given right now, making it nosein, fills the world with Kedusha. And that's the idea we hide behind why it says, Mishpachas HaTola'i. That's what we're getting out of it. It's quoted in the name of the Maral Diskin, that Tola was still alive at the time. That's very hard to understand, but he was still alive at the time, and that's why there's no Lamed right in the beginning of his name, because he was right there. So it's not Litola to the family of Tola, it's Tola. Tola himself, he's right over here. He's got Mishpachas HaTola'i. The problem with that, that there are quite a few other people who are still alive at the time, like Mocher B'Menashe and Yari B'Menashe, right who I mentioned later on, but they do have a Lamed by them. I couldn't find this in the actual Maral Disc in itself. It's quoted by Derek Sicha, Volume 1, page 450. He doesn't answer the question that's posed to him as to why it says it that way with the other people like that, but it is a little strange. Again, I couldn't find it in the actual Maral Disc, but maybe it's not in the right place. The Rachaimakar says, Tola shows us how to be humble as a worm and think of ourselves as nothing, as well as a malus, since a worm is always eating and constantly eating. That's one of the first things we have to work at, work on when trying to acquire Torah and learn it properly. And again, those are part of the 48 Memches Kinyane Torah. Why was Fuva's family called Hapuni? It should be Hafuva'i or something like that. Why is it Hapuni? Or Hapui, I guess. I guess. Balatorim says it's because everyone turned to them. They were Pone, a love. They turned to him to learn Torah from his family, and that's why the word Pone is used. The Rokech and the Rabbeinu Ephraim add that everyone went to him for advice as well. Since it says about Yisachar, Ladas, Ladea, I think, I don't remember, Mayaseli Yisrael, what to do for B'nai Yisrael. That Terzadar says the Torah didn't want to make it Hafuvi or anything like that because that would sound like a feminine name in some way. I'm not so sure why. I'm not sure I totally understand that. Therefore, it had a nun, hapuni, and therefore there's no doubt that it's a masculine name. I just don't get that. I don't understand the difference between a feminine and a masculine name in this way. The Chidah says each letter stands for something. Hey stands for Malchus. Pei Vav is the Gematria of Elohim. And Nun is for the Nun Sharibina, the 50 gates of wisdom of understanding that a person can get to. Yud stands for Chachma. He says, Duk, Dok Kikatsarti. Check this out because I I haven't gone into it, but clearly the reason why his name, the name of the family was called Hapuni was for a higher, more Kabbalistic reason, and that's what we're hinting to over here. There's an Adaris Elio from the Ben Shrein, page 638, that also gives another answer we're not going to go into right now. The Belzer Rebbe, however, takes this a little bit further. We're told not to use any of the Shem Kedoshim for any reason whatsoever, right? Especially the Shem Ayin Bez, right, which is the 72-word name of Kaddish Baruch Hu. Each one of those words comprised of three letters, which really is 216 letters. Rashi tells us in Sukkah, Daf Mem Heyom and Aleph, that it's understood from the first last and first letters of the Pesukim by Yisavayavo Vayit and Parshas Bashalach. right? That's the idea that it says over there in Sukkah, each one of those Pesukim containing 72 letters, which is absolutely amazing in the first place. The 56th name there is Fevav Yud, right? Fevav Yud. Again, it would be the... I don't want to go through it, but the 56th last letter in the first Pasuk, the 56th letter in the second Pasuk, 56th last letter from the end letter in the third Pasuk is Pei Vav Yud. And therefore, the Torah let, 
left it out, so we know that we shouldn't use these shameless for any reason. Instead of saying that actual name of a Kaddish Baruch which is Pevav Yud, something we don't quite understand, instead we wrote Hapuni. Maybe that's why we took out the Vav and added a Nun and a Vav, using a Shuruk in a way, instead of the actual Vav, because that's the 56th name, Nun Vav. I mean, that's mine, but I, it makes sense to be able to say it that way. Anyway, the Orachayim HaKadosh says that Fuva stands for the mouth, the pet. That's pretty obvious, right? Many of the 48 meters refers to this, like Miut Sicha, Miut Schok, keeping away from talking to other people, or Miut Schok. The extra Vav stands for the Eitzachayim, since this mouth is Osik in the Tree of Life more than any other mouth out there. Puni indicates that we should turn away from all the Taivas that we want to learn, like Dvarim Betelem, Schok, and everything like that. And he then quotes Chasidei Yisrael, the Rabbin Yonah and Avos probably, who says that the mouths of those who learn Torah have the din of a clay Sharis, of a holy vessel that's used by a Kaddish Baruch who's used for holy purpose. Therefore, it would be forbidden to use it to speak Tiferchol, words of mundane mundane things, even if he doesn't say anything that's also less. Lefuva, for a mouth that speaks words of Torah, Mishpach Zapuni, that helps you turn away from everything else, and that's part of the Kinyanim of acquiring the Torah itself. Everyone quotes the Rushalmi in Shabbos, Perak Aleph, Alach where Shem Bar Yochai says, Had I been on our Sinai, I would have asked Hashem to give us two mouths, one to speak out Divrei Torah, and the other one to do speak Divrei Chol with. You then realize that we probably would misuse both of them. So it would probably be better to have just one. However, now that we only have one, we've got to be careful not to abuse this power, since it is possible our mouths have the din of a clay sharis. He then explains that Yashu stands for being in Shiva and sitting and learning all day, which encompasses almost all of the other Kinyanim that are right over there. Only when you've clarified the Halacha on the highest level with Chavirim Rabbanim should he get up and leave. Until then, shave, yashuv, sit down, and figure it out. And that's where that comes from. Now, the Rabbinio, all of that is from the Orachai Mekadosh, who goes on. He really is a long piece when it deals with this. The Rabbinio says that Shimron stands for shame, Ner or Shum Ner, that the words of Torah and those who learn them are considered like a candle. The Orachim Akadosh says this hints to other Kenyan Torah, such as Tosefis Shmir, adding on a Shmir for oneself, that one should be very careful when he, what he says to other people who do not learn Torah, right, and try his best not to make a Chilu Hashem. Not only that, but we also have to be careful of the details of the mitzvahs, not to mess them up. All of those are included as well as the Kenyan. The Rabbinu Ephraim says there are six words in Pasuk Chav Dalad. Each word contains a Shin for Shinun, because Yisachu was well known for learning. He spent all of his days learning, and that's that in the Shishish Sidre Mishnah as well. The Rabbin Yol, the Rimze Rabbin Yol, says that Shevi Yisachar had 64,000 300 people in it in this parsha, which hints to the letter Shin Samach Dalad, right? Shin Samach Dalad, because they learn Torah for 364 days of a year. 64,300. 300 and 64. One day a year they didn't learn because they spent the entire day working on being Ma'abed, I guess, whatever this being Ma'aber the year, the Iber Shunim that they did, since the Pasuk says in Dibre Yom Chilak Alev Yud Beis Lam Beis of Yodi and therefore they didn't learn on that day. I would tell you that one is referring to Yom Kippur where they davened all day instead of learning, but regardless, 364 days, and that's hinted to in their numbers itself. The Orachim Akadr says this number of 364 hints to two different things. 64 hints to the name of Aleph Dalid Nun Yud, which is actually six but I guess being off by one is okay. In this world, one should be constantly aware that he has a master, right, who is always watching and recording everything that he does that will stop, and he will stop doing anything bad. The numbers Elef Ushlosh Meos, right, the Elef is a thousand and three hundred, hints to the three hundred and ten worlds that will be there for the Tzadikim Lolam Haba, Akun Rebbe Yeshua Malev, the end of Uksin, like we said before, as we mentioned up above. He explains that when a person dies, the Neshama is going to enjoy all the rewards in all four worlds, in Asiya, which is here, and then Berea, Yitzira, and 
Atsilus all the way up there. In the first three worlds, he's going to be able to enjoy it all, and that's the 300. In the Atsilus world, which we don't understand, it's going to be even greater, and that's the Aleph, the thousand, which is really an Aleph. And that's going to be so much greater than everything that's out there. He explains it at length, and that's why it's 310. It's really 1,300. Either way, regardless, that's what the Orachim Cutter says. We're going to end off with this. It's well known that Ritzvi Ali Melech of Dinov named his Sefer B'nai Yisachar. Right? So the question is, why? Was he from Shevi Yisachar? So the question, that, that, that the answer is brought down by the Sefer Beis Shlomo, who says, one time, the Rebbe of Dinov traveled to the Chosim Lublin to ask him why he felt such Kedusha over Hanukkah, when he knew he wasn't a Kohen. Therefore, he wasn't part of the Hashemonayim. So why does he feel so special on Hanukkah? He was planning on asking the Chose this, but he didn't get to do it. Before he even asked it, and before he even really came to the Rebbe, immediately the Chosen of Lublin told Ratzvi Hershali Melech that he was actually from Shevet Yisachar, and his love for Hanukkah came from the fact that he was on the Beisdin of the Hashmonoim, that his previous Neshama, his previous Gilgal, was with the Beisdin of the Hashmonoim from Shevet Yisachar itself. And therefore, he wrote his Sefer that he wrote on the months of the year, B'nai Yisachar, knowing that he came from Yisachar. The Minig is usually to pronounce the word Yisachar, but of course, it could be the B'nai Yisachar itself, like we said before, from the Minig of Benash share. We'll stop with that, everybody. Have a great Shabbos. Perfect. Thank you.